0: Hi everyone, I'm John Seymour, the host of the Moore Tech Talk Show and inspirations for your life. Hey guys, it is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur and your host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. I'm so glad to be with you guys uh, tonight here on the very first Friday, October 6th, yes, 2023. Uh, the J. Moore Tech Talk Show has uh, been on the air now for almost three years. It'll be happening very, very soon. Uh, but I want to let you guys know something really cool is there's a QR code at the top right. If you are watching me, you can just launch your camera app, point over the QR code like so, touch the yellow lips, and you'll get my link tree as easy as that. If you're not watching me, but you're listening only like on an audio podcast, well, then go to BelieveMeAchieve.com for more of my amazing creations. Sometimes my um, uh, cord there from my glasses gets to the way I was just fixing that. But uh, I do want to let you guys know what the uh, show is tonight, and it is Jaymore Tech Talk Show, Series 2, Show 40. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, we've got an amazing evening for you. And uh, for those of you tech buffs out there that really want to just get those quick little tidbits or nuggets, well, I've introduced a brand new thing. Uh, for the J Moore Connection, the J Moore Tech Talk Show, is you can go to J-M-O-R, the letter V-1-J-M-O-R, and click on my shorts because every single day I upload about one or two reels, um, giving you a quick little 30, 40-second insight about technology that will really help you to gain some insights. All right, guys, uh, so let's get right into the show, shall we? All right, first thing I want to talk about is Apple. So Apple rejected opportunities to buy Microsoft's Bing. Um, They're going to potentially integrate with DuckDuckGo. Now, the question about this is that, you know, a lot of these companies like Google, I'm sure you know, have been paying money, let's just say in the not the uh, proper way, um, to kind of bribe uh, the search engines so that every time, um, you know, they uh, would use Uh, let's say, the device, and I'm talking about your different carriers and stuff like that, they were paying Google off. And so um, a closed-door testimony by the CEO of DuckDuckGo, Gabriel Weinberg, and a senior Apple executive, John uh, Giandria, offered a glimpse of the kind of failed deals in the backroom negotiations that seem to go on all the time. But you know, Uh, The thing that's interesting is Apple began seriously considering a deal with Bing in 2018. And after a conversation between Apple CEO Tim Cook and Microsoft CEO Satya uh, Nadella, they launched a series of further discussions between the two companies. And uh, recently, Nadella testified that he had spent every year of his tenure as CEO trying to persuade Apple to adopt Bing. So um, at the same time, Apple had been actively working with DuckDuckGo on a proposal that could make them some really a good headway by giving it the default search in Safari browsers in private mode while still maintaining Google as the default in normal mode, which, as we know, logs users activity and uh, Weinberg had testified against this. So we know that um, basically DuckDuckGo has uh, been having really a hard time Uh, getting invitations to the party with only a 2.5% market share and all the other uh, search engines having a lot greater. I think they need to change the name and really um, change their branding. Why the name DuckDuckGo? I mean, I don't know. I think it needs to be something more because a lot of people are not taking it seriously. And it is a great product. I use DuckDuckGo. It's a great way to search without people knowing what you're searching for and why. All right. So um, I hope that'll definitely go somewhere. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you are new to DuckDuckGo, try it out. You know, DuckDuckGo even rates the sites, A, B, C, D, etc. of, you know, whether it's good on privacy and it kind of tells you why. All right. So um, did you get startled by a sound, um, you know, by your phone? that uh, was made Thursday, October 4th, 2023. And it was right around Um pm in the afternoon uh, that was eastern time and so um the thing is ladies and gentlemen this is um a new thing that uh FEMA we all know FEMA right FEMA very very well FEMA is uh rolling out because um that's the federal emergency management agency and they want to make sure that the system works. They've been caught with their shorts down many times and potentially been very close to suing people because they said their APIs don't work, their integration's not working. So now they test it every month. And I think if it doesn't work, well, I think the provider's going to get the boot. So now, as long as the systems work and they're doing monthly tests is what it appears to be right now. So... um you know, what about those that have a phone and they want to keep it a secret, like maybe those, unfortunately, that were part of a domestic violence situation, unfortunately. Well, uh, FEMA says to just turn off your phone. And what about schools? Well, schools are actually being very cooperative by making the steps and giving people the actions they need to take so that they're prepared for this disruption and they don't consider it a disruption because they feel it's very vital life skills that students need uh, to prepare themselves in the event of an actual emergency so what it says on the test is this is a test of the national wireless emergency alert system no action is needed close quote so you might be asking yourself um why is fema doing this and I, i think i already told you They're doing this because they've had so many issues. And this is a nationwide test, right? National, it's not just in your state. And um, I think the big problem, ladies and gentlemen, is that people are concerned about what's going on in the world, you know, and other people saying, is this going to disrupt my privacy? Well, the national test cannot be used to monitor, locate, or lock your phone, FEMA has said, close quote. And the test is also using broadcast technology and does not collect any of your data. So you can rest at ease there. (sighs) Um, Again, this is an alert that is designed uh, to allow people to understand how the system's gonna work. And so by people being aware of this in the fact that news or other important information where to turn will be sent is really a viable thing. And you might be asking yourself, well, why didn't I receive the emergency alert on my phone? If you have a mobile phone that was switched on and not on airplane mode and within range of an active cell phone tower on a network where wireless providers participate in the wireless emergency alerts, then you should have received the test message on Wednesday afternoon by 2.50 p.m. Eastern. Now, it actually took them about 30 minutes to go through this. Now, they didn't blast for 30 minutes, but they went through the entire list, so you weren't getting blasted for 30 minutes. And if you're trying to figure out why you didn't receive an alert when you should have, well, it's really easy. Um, just uh, make sure that you send an email to fema-national-test at fema.dhs.gov. I'm going to give us my gamut because I think it's really vital. So that's FEMA, F is in Foxtrot, E as in Echo, M as in Michael, A as in Alpha, N as in Nevada, A as in Alpha, T as in Tango, I as in Igloo. I is an Oscar, N is in Nevada, A is an Alpha, L is a Lima, dash T is in Tango, E is an Echo, S in Sierra, T is in Tango at Foxtrot, Echo, Marco, Alpha, dot, Delta, Hotel, Sierra, dot, golf, Oscar, Victor. And send an email to FEMA-national test at FEMA.dhs.gov. And let them know that you have not received uh, the signal and give them your phone number and uh, they can fix you know that glitch. So I think it's kudos to FEMA and to these uh, different organizations that are understanding that, you know, if we don't get these messages, how can we protect our lives? How can we communicate? whether it's different types of alert. And I want to just talk about that uh, right now, the different types of alert. So there's one type of thing called a silver alert. I'm not sure if you guys know what that is. So um, a silver alert is a public notification uh, that is sent out in a broadcast format to let people know of missing people, especially senior citizens, okay? Um, And so, you know, when we think about other things, there are other types of alert uh there might be something called um an amber alert so an amber alert um basically instantaneously allows communities to assemble to understand that something is going on and so you might be asking us hey john what is an amber alert well that's a great question um an amber alert is basically um America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response System. And so um, AMBER stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. And it was created as a legacy to a nine-year-old Amber Hagerman, who was kidnapped while riding her bicycle in Arlington, Texas, and then brutally murdered. (sighs) Ooh, that is not, uh, that, that is not, uh, not is not good. So it's important that we understand what these are. Um, like I said, the Amber alert, you know, when a child under the age of 17 is possibly abducted, uh, or kidnapped silver alerts, when a senior citizen is missing and blue alerts are issued to help capture an offender at large who is killed or injured. Injured a law enforcement officer. So again, know these alerts. Amber, okay, typically something with a child. Silver, uh, a senior citizen is missing and the family doesn't know where he or she is. And blue alerts, helping people to share information to law enforcement because someone has recently um, been uh, killed or injured yes and this is an enforcement officer so um again it's someone who has killed or injured a law enforcement officer so remember the colors amber kids silver seniors and yes blue uh, someone in blue uh, a law enforcement person has been killed so um when we think about this you might be saying john i never knew about these alerts well you know You don't really know about them until there's a problem. There's also something in Florida called a purple alert. What the heck is that? No, it's not the color purple, the movie. Um, It's used to locate missing people who have an intellectual or developmental disability. And that is not Alzheimer's disease or a dementia-related disorder. So that's pretty cool. And so there is uh, another alert, which I want to share with you. It's called a gold alert. And it's activated throughout the hospital upon initial sign of a septic patient. Uh, This alert allows all departments to be aware that a septic patient is present and will require uh, rapid care. So you might be asking me, hey, John, what is a septic patient? Well, um, basically, a a septic patient is um, someone that has a a, a severe uh, issue. Um, severe drop in blood pressure, uh, progresses to septic shock, raising the risk of death and symptoms of septic shock include, but not being able to stand and, and other things. So, um, I think it's important that we understand these different types of alerts, because if we do, we'll be able to actually be a better communicator and help someone that maybe desperately needs our help. All right, guys, uh, there is a type of bot out there. It's not a robot that is wired or one that uses any type of electronics, except that it's actually created with the use of a computer. That is the design of it. And it's called a Xenobot. A what, John? That's right. I said a Xenobot. All right, John, I've never heard of that. What is a Xenobot? Sounds like something in um, science fiction, right? But um, Xenobots um, are basically used in medical research, pharmaceutical research to evaluate things like uh, dosage forms, as well as other biotechnical and environmental research. So um, people often ask me, John, what's the difference between a nanobot and a Xenobot? So nanobots are made of synthetic materials uh xenobots are biological okay and they are living organization organisms and they're designed by scientists and yes ai artificial intelligence and they're developed through the cutting edge field of synthetic biology and sin- scientists are using this to help us gain very big key insights so um xenobots might be new to you but they've been around for a while Uh, These living robots are designed to perform specific tasks, and there's a possibility that they could have unforeseen impacts on the environment or even organisms. For example, if a xenobot were used to clean up pollution in a body of water, they might inadvertently harm aquatic life in the process. Uh, You might be asking, John, how does a xenobite live? Well, a xenobite lives for only about a week, and it feeds on the small uh, platelets of yolk, Uh, that fill each of the cells um, that would normally fuel embryonic development. And because it's building blocks or living cells, the entity can heal from injury even after being torn almost in half. Wow, that is really, really cool. And um, I think it's going to be cool to see, you know, how they work and what they do. And the fact that we may be able to learn a lot more about the human body and other organisms in this world and other worlds that could give us key insights to helping develop uh, new types of, uh, whether it's drugs or whether it's um, holistic uh, practices to help heal people. All right. So let's talk about something, ladies and gentlemen. I want to talk about responsible AI, artificial intelligence, right? It's all around us. We know that. And the thing is, a lot of companies are rushing to the market because artificial intelligence is about one thing. It's about making our world better for everyone. However, artificial intelligence sometimes will get into the way. What happens when an autonomous vehicle is equipped to drive and uses AI or artificial intelligence? and, it has trouble deciding whether that thing in the road is an adamant object or is that a live person. Makes the wrong decision and bam, takes out that life forever. I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the legal system. And with that, a whole new set of laws that are going to predicate how artificial uh, intelligence works, including the things of, you know, the fact when we create copyrighted work. And an AI bot suddenly grabs that information because it's trying to fuel itself. However, when it recommends it to another, and now it looks very similar to something I might have created. We're going to have a lot of loose lawsuits. Uh, you'll see uh, there'll be up many people's sleeves. And we all know that when something doesn't go right, there's always going to be people out there that are going to be trying to scam. Well, you're going to see that there'll be a lot of people out there trying to create um, different types of connections, and even creating law firms that are based solely on handling AI, artificial intelligence, and the new law. AI is very similar, not in the type of law, but the fact that it's separate, like corporate law, right? Or landlord-tenant law, right? Very different than traditional uh, law, or personal law, or business law, or acquisitions and mergers. They're different they're in the same universe but they're not in the same world so i think that's important why we have to have specialists to understand that and here's an interesting one ladies and gentlemen why did the air force uh pull the plug on a huge cyber attack well the interesting thing about this is that agencies have canceled procurement for get this ladies and gentlemen a lack of listen to this, competition. That's right, they canceled contracts because industry feedback made it clear the government wouldn't be successful and agencies have terminated acquisition efforts for an assortment of other reasons. But longtime acquisition experts say that they can't remember a time when an agency canceled an acquisition because there was too much interest. So again, agencies have canceled procurement for a lack of competition. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is interesting. And according to Mike Smith, who I want to quote, clearly there was an insufficient market research conducted to understand how many contractors would propose and how fully qualified they would be based on the selected source selection strategy. I think they have to understand what the market research is. I have think they have to understand how to get it out there. And they said the Air Force had no choice but to cancel this uh, this, this bid request. And recently an ACC spokesperson said, the evaluation and award mythology for the acquisition provided an award would be made to each and all qualifying offers. The solicitation did not include a specific number of awards and the source selection team did not have a set expectation. So now that the Air Force ended the EC2 after more than 18 months of planning, the need for cyber services doesn't just vanish. Spokesperson said that the ACC is analyzing its next steps to meet enterprise cybersecurity needs. In the meantime, ACC, AMIC will continue to solicit and award those recipients on individual bases, either by issuing separate solicitations that will be posted on SAM.gov or by competing and or placing orders under existing GSA Defense Department and or Air Force IDIQ contract vehicles, close quote, the spokesperson had said. So it's interesting that they would cancel a bid because there was lack of competition. That just like, I don't know, that doesn't even make sense to me. But I guess maybe they're afraid that they weren't going to get The best sampling, because only a few people. I know whenever you have to do a bid, and I've done a couple of them before, a lot of them are not easy. You usually have to attend a bid meeting, and then you have to come back, and you have to fill things out. And if one thing isn't done correctly, the whole bid can just be, like, tossed. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, England is uh, looking to ban cell phones in schools. Yeah what the heck's going on with this? England is, is attempting to ban cell phones in schools. So you might be asking, you know, why? You know, why why is this done? And, and why do they want to do it? Well, I think the big reason uh, that, that's coming to, to uh, wraps is uh, the Education Secretary, Gillian Keegan. Uh, this lady says that it is causing disruption In the school. So not only do they want to ban them from what they already have, they can't use them at recess. They can't use them, um, you know, in class, but they are allowed to use them in lunchtimes. Right. So they want to ban it. I'm sorry, from uh, they can't they can't use it during class and they can't use it during other times when work is going on. But they should be able to use it in recess. As well as use it at, uh, you know, uh, lunchtime or other playtime. But she feels that it's creating a bad influence. Why? Why is England banning cell phones? And I think I think it's an excuse. Um, but according to, I said, the Department for Education, um, they're saying that they are causing uh, disruptive behavior, and that's their answer. Uh, including uh, online bullying uh, while boosting attention during lessons. So I don't know. Um, The question is, do you think cell phones should be banned in school? You know, one study um, cites that students' test scores dropped the closer they were to a phone, even if it wasn't in use. And there is potential for distraction and uh, lots of other things. And the fact is, a cell phone is something people can become addicted to. And right now, students do need to focus on their work. But I think if they use them on you know, recess or other times, and as long as the premise for using them is not to harm or hurt another person, I don't think there's any problem with them. At the end of the day, the purpose of school is to learn. And research shows that cell phones might be hindering students' concentration, This is according to a 2010 survey from Pew Research Center. 64% of students say they've texted in class, and 25% have made or taken a call. So I don't know about you, but if you're in the middle of geometry or psychology or um, history, texting might take you off something very important. So the question you might be asking yourself is, are they a disruption? Are they a good distraction sometimes? They can also make cheating easier. Uh, And that's a big problem. Uh, Expensive phones like the iPhone, they pose a a big uh, theft uh, risk. And there are risks of people taking, of course, illicit pictures. Kids will be with kids. And of course, we all know the hormones are raging during these school days. And there is a distinct possibility that some students might take Well, let's just say not G pictures and not PG pictures, uh, X pictures or videos. And they could be dangerous when students take these explicit pictures or photos. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, um, disseminate them out to their friends, their network, or even people in the community that they just want to get their attention for. I don't know, I I think it's a problem, but I think the education needs to start at home. I don't think it should be the school's responsibility. And so it's especially dangerous when students take explicit pictures of other students, it violates their consent and their privacy. And using it in email chains and text threads have become so viral. I mean, imagine something going on in a restroom or even something that was just being done on a dare and it going viral, like on TikTok or other social media. And think about the person that uh, might have gotten captured in that video who might not have wanted to have that picture or video shared out to millions of people. They make cyberbullying easier. And cell phones, um, again, make it easier for cyberbullying because uh, when a person uses electronic communication, to intimidate, threaten, or humiliate a person, um, not only can cell phones make it easier for rumors to spread like wildfire through school, but students can also send mean or hurtful texts in a way that's very inappropriate, as we said, um, very bad pictures. And as students do this, I think it starts to create a domino effect that, well, if he could do that, she could do that. Well, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go capture something or I'm going to go video myself and I'm going to do that. I don't know. Um, I think it can really take social communication and potentially let it get out of hand. So we know that um, any type of social device such as a cell phone or um you know your computer or laptop most schools have filters to regulate and block inappropriate materials uh the generation z and generation alpha students are more tech savvy than other generations before and large classrooms can also make accessing inappropriate material easier and since every cell phone uses data to get online. Students can bypass school servers and look up whatever they want to simplify by just turning off the on-school Wi-Fi connection. Uh, They can increase kids' chances of being taken advantage of. If you grew up in the early 2000s, you probably remember the huge internet safety movement that warned kids about the dangers of talking to strangers. You know, the fact that you wouldn't give out your credit card or your personal information or even give it out if you were a kid such as your address your phone number why do you do it online well it's safe i'm at home and they get confused and these people these bad actors take advantage and potentially might kidnap them and potentially assault them or abduct them there are of course lots of reasons and it's complicated um It's important that we don't moralize cell phones. They're just technological tools. We as people have to decide how we want to use them. But I think that has to start at home. And I don't think that's something that the schools should be getting involved with. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. It is very, very interesting and, of course, very, very concerning uh, you know, to, to what's happening. I think, uh, I think that's going to be, um, I think it's going to be an issue for people. And I know ladies and gentlemen, that if people, you know, learn to do something a certain way, it's going to be contagious. You might say to me, John, well, it's only a cell phone. It can't do much yeah i i get it but the thing you have to realize is that um any way that we can get information out quickly poses a potential risk to not just ourself but to lots of other people so um how about this one ladies and gentlemen how about this did you know that uber will soon return your packages what yes Uh, Do you hate returning your packages? Well, Uber can now do it for you. And so um, you'll be able to log on to the app and select whether you want someone to um, send a package or you want to return a package. So you can send a package and have a driver deliver a package across town or return a package and have a uh, driver deliver a package via FedEx, UPS or USPS. So um those are interesting things because they're going to have to add the shipping fees in there and I always feel that when you ship things there's a lot of responsibility do we really want to trust a company like this after all companies like this I don't know if you know this um but uh, I've had friends that work for them and try to get a hold of management you can't um it's probably worse than Amazon and what I mean by this is that They're just about the money. You know, they'll send drivers to bad areas. And unless the driver complains and says it's a safety issue, they will cancel the order and they will put it against them as a bad mark. You know, they don't care about you as a person. They care about you as a driver. And this new feature is aimed at helping a large number of online shoppers who need to return purchases but hate that process of going through the return. You know, half of consumers would prefer to just sit in rush hour traffic than make a return via mail, according to a February study from the National um, Retail Foundation, the NRF. And this was cited by Uber with 79% of under 30 shoppers describing Mail returns as somewhat or very annoying, but returns are an unfortunate part of consumers' lives, with an average 16.5% of retail sales returned, the NRF reported in December. Now, Uber's newest tool is aiming at tackling the problem in part of the app called Uber Connect and the company's existing services, which will allow users to send their packages back, as well as offer new driving opportunities for new drivers. So, I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens and when it happens. But, my question, ladies and gentlemen, is when we talk about these things, what happens if this person picks up the package and what happens if they drop it? Maybe it's an expensive uh, piece of crystal. And even though it's packaged properly, I'm sorry, if you smash or you drop a box to the floor, it happens. I want to share something recently happened. Uh, to me from UPS. So I was um, uh, sending an order out. It was somebody on eBay that was buying an APC that we had reconditioned and put batteries in when it was a pretty big one. And so we made sure we had all the proper packaging and whatnot. And we did it through eBay self-ship service, which is supposed to make things easier, but sometimes it doesn't. And so we brought the item to. Uh, The place where they would take it was already packaged up and sealed. At about, I don't know, three or four days, I got a message from the buyer telling me they want to return the item. And I said, well, why? I said, the item is not returnable. And he said to me, he says, well, let me send you pictures. He did. And the package was damaged. It was leaking and it was a mess. So they returned the package back to me. And do you know, when I went to UPS to try to get a claim, all they paid me was a hundred bucks. Now, my question is, shouldn't eBay have given me more options? They don't care. And shouldn't UPS have been a little more forthright and let's say transparent? Maybe when they picked up the package, they should have said, hey, this package is over so many pounds. We need to do this. But, you know, the, the real uh, matter of fact is people don't care. It's about money, it's about doing things quickly. And if your package happens to be one out of a thousand that gets broken or one out of a hundred, well, they figure it's just the cost of doing business. And so not only did that happen and it take me almost a month to get my money back, I had to like fight for it because they were telling me that I didn't qualify. I don't know. So you guys know that I've had my iOS phone, I think it's almost about two weeks. Uh, as I got my phone, uh, not last week, I actually got the phone, what was it? The twenty, uh, the 22nd, so first week, yeah. So this will be the second week, um, you know, October 6th. And so um, the thing I noticed about the iPhone is that it has been running a little warm when I run certain applications, um, applications that use um, more video intensive functions. I even found it to happen um, when I was browsing um, certain social media sites that were uh, displaying different types of ads, not just YouTube videos. And so the big question is, what's Apple doing? Well, yes, iOS 17.03 has uh, launched. And it's designed uh, to do a lot of different things. But the one thing it's designed to do, ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is? It is designed to help People that have a brand new iPhone, preferably the iPhone uh, 15 family. The thing you might be asking yourself is, um, you know, John, what does it fix? Well, first of all, there is a fix for the iPhone 15 models that are starting to run hot. Uh, they also have some fixes for the kernel. And they have a fix for WebRTC. Now, you might be saying, John, what the heck is WebRTC? Well, it's a free and open source project providing web browsers and mobile applications with real-time communication via application programming interfaces. Unfortunately, um, there were some vulnerabilities uh, in the Apple phone. um, And that's a problem. A lot of people don't know about this. and the vulnerabilities um are a big issue. There's a heat buffer overflow in the web RTC in um time you use Chrome uh prior to 103.0.5060.114 and allowed a remote hacker to potentially exploit a heap corruption via a crafted HTML page. Um the other thing that was interesting is that Pyon WebRTC before 3.0.15 didn't properly tear down the DTLS connection when certificate verification failed. And the pure connection state was set to fail, but a user could ignore that and continue to use the pure connection. And a WebRTC implementation shouldn't allow the user to continue if the verification has failed. So in short, definitely get the update it didn't take very long to put on my phone and i think what i'm noticing about the apple uh, iphone 15 it seems like they're coming out with different updates i don't know if they're going to do one next week but it's seeming like they haven't come up with updates i will tell you that since i've had the phone i had one application that froze on me teams i also had another situation where uh, i was having team issues but that wasn't the phone. That was just the team server. They sometimes just oversell more than they can handle. And that becomes a very, very, very big problem. So the question you might be asking yourself is, hey, John, should I upgrade to 17.03? If you've got an iPhone 15, absolutely. If you got another iPhone, you still should because there is the vulnerability. And we all know that seventeen. fixed the locking problem when uh, the phone was basically starting to go into that lock mode well you could very easily exploit it and then call anywhere you wanted to call just before that screen was coming up but I want to say to you that technology is evolving it's evolving every day and if we can understand how to embrace it and how to use it as an effective tool to make our lives better, to help other people's lives, I think this is gonna make a major, major difference in everyone's life. And I always said, if you have technology, make sure you use it for the greater good of all concerned. You know, we are now, ladies and gentlemen, not just here on the brand new uh, Jay Moore Tech Talk YouTube channel, that's right. This is our first uh, broadcast on the brand new the Jay Moore Tech Talk channel. But did you know that we are now, um, as of I think it was just uh, the month of September, we now have the audio version of the podcast uh, that is being hosted on Podbean. You can go to BelieveMeAchieve.com and just go ahead and click on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show uh, and you will see it right there. Jay Moore Tech Talk Show podcast. The very top one shows that uh, we have our new YouTube channel. So I think the big question there, sorry about that, I uh, actually had a pretty big night last night. So sometimes I was up just so, but you know, I always get my shows out before I go to sleep. And so, you know, if you are someone that has a story in technology or maybe an insight or something you'd like to share with me and my great audience, reach out to me. You can private message me and uh, we'll have a pre-chat and we'll see if you are a good fit for the show. If you are, I'll then sign the media release form that you'll need to sign and get back to us with your headshot and um, some other the photos if you want, as well as your social um, media handles, and we'll tag you out. It's not a sales show, ladies gentlemen. It's a show to provide education, to empower you to do what I do best, and you guys know what that is. It is to become a better version of myself and to help other people become better versions of themselves. That is, that's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it's about. And if you understand that, then I believe you probably will be understanding like what's going on. But, you know, when we think about, you know, technology, I think sometimes people get, uh, they get a little lost. And the reason they get lost is for one premise. They rush to do something very quickly. And when they do this, it causes an issue. So, Lady let me you know what I do. Well, I um, help people, business people share their story, so they can scale and be a more profitable uh, business company or enterprise. So again, you can check out all my great content at Believe, that's B-E-L-I-E-V-E, meachieve.com. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you've really valued this content, which I know you have, please be sure to definitely, 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 uh, definitely be sure to, um, yes, uh, click on that link. It says help keep our content free. And make the choice, ladies and gentlemen, to buy my team and I a cup of coffee, a bowl of fruit, a scrumptious bowl of desserts. And either way, we will be grateful for those pennies and dollars. We'll invest into new hardware, new technology, new equipment, new software, even new facilities to give you the most jaw-dropping motivational content to empower you to have an amazing, outstanding life. Please remember to check out believemeachieve.com and join me on all my other great content, including the IFYL show, Inspirations for Your Life, which is a daily podcast that brings in Uh, guests from all around and thought leaders and authors to share some pretty creative stories that can empower your life. Uh, In fact, in uh, November, I have a a surgeon coming on to talk to us about how to prevent burnout in your life and some hacks to actually make sure that doesn't happen for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have an amazing rest of your Friday, a great weekend. And you know what? I'm going to catch you guys next week. So be sure to like all the channels, all the great content. And you know this stuff that I produce, it's for you. And if you choose to apply it, not only will improve your life, but it will improve the people you care about. So have yourself a fantastic night and a great weekend. And I'm going to catch you real soon. So be well, everyone.